Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. You'll be so, uh, you know, this time of year right now, people are thinking about the the story of Jesus being here. And so as you're going to Luke 2, I want to hit off from Luke 1 and 30 real quick. It says, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob for 50 years. No, forever. That means forever. We have been talking about this a lot. We've been talking about the Davidic covenant. This is it right here. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of the end and of his kingdom. There will be no end. No end means no end. That means if you're in him, you're going to get to be part of this passage right here. Okay, so we've been talking a lot about David. We're off, you know, in 1 Kings, we're off in the part of Solomon. And over and over and over and over again, we've been hearing about this eternal kingdom that was going to be reigned by a son of David. And there it is again, the, the Davidic covenant. When God, God works for, through covenant, and he's talking about this through history, and he's said it yet again. So we just, uh, I want to get into this today uh, because it's on everybody's mind. Since yesterday was December 25th, you know, we recently did Hanukkah and that's a good time. And, but now we're in the time of the year where people are thinking about when Jesus Christ was born and placed in a manger. And that's okay to think about those things because it's biblical. But the problem I have with this whole story in here is that's where people typically leave him. They leave him in the manger and they don't go past that. They, they, they just keep him cute. You know, and I kind of have an issue with that because that's not the whole, I mean, he came here for a reason. What was that about? They want to keep him cute. They don't want to think of that same exact cute little cuddly child being beaten and (laughs) and insulted and nailed to a cross and crucified to death. And very rarely do people consider why he was placed in a manger in the first place. That's not an ideal place to be put, you know, to put in a manger. Also, the majority of people who are celebrating this holiday aren't saved. They're not. It is just a traditional time to go buy presents. It's commercialized. And so they have no idea what the birth of Jesus even means for us today. So I want to call today's message, Jesus is worthy of better than a manger. Let's go into Luke chapter 2. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. 
So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And so it was the Jewish custom that what you did is you went back to your original town to be registered. You, uh, you know, I'm from Alvin, but let's say I lived in Dallas. I would have to leave Dallas and I'd have to come all the way back here to Alvin just to be registered. So they all had to travel to their own place. They did not register just in the city that they lived. This is a very important matter I want you all to, to remember here. They had to go register in the place of their origin. As verse 3 says, it says, All went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So they went to the city of their origin, not where they lived. I want you to keep that in mind. We'll come back to that. Luke 2 and 4. Joseph also went up, went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So uh, Beth means house and Lehem means bread. So what do you think Bethlehem means? It means house of bread. Jesus had said, I'm the bread of life. So you can see this house of bread picture here. So it says that Joseph went to be registered with Mary, not his, it says his betrothed wife betrothal is an engagement. It's a lot stronger than the type of engagement we have today, but they weren't full out married either, but they were betrothed. But uh, Mary wasn't just betrothed. She was betrothed and expecting. Now we really got to get a hold of this picture here. You're not full out married yet. And you're expecting at the same time, their culture would kill them for pregnancy outside of marriage. For pregnancy outside of the full marriage uh, bond like that. For the betrothal, it says. So consider that they were expecting. It's bad enough you're expecting a child. And Bethlehem was was over 100 miles away from where they were at. That's not the time that you're going to want to be getting on a donkey or traveling 100 miles when you're expecting. That's not easy. It's very difficult. This means they both had to step outside of their private living quarters we got this culture out there that if they knew, they'd kill us. But now we got to step outside and go straight into it. We got to walk right through this culture and a hundred miles of it to go get to our origin city. They were pretty much forced out into the public eye at the worst possible time. This is not comfortable whatsoever. Guys, it took a lot of faith to go make this trip. That not only would they make such a long journey with Mary's physical challenges, but also that also they had to have faith that nobody would find out and kill them on the way. Very dangerous. But God had them covered. He told them. He, it had been said in Micah 5.2, it says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me. The one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. The Lord had already put it in promise that they were going to be taken care of. And you're thinking, man, that sounds so good. They're off in this dangerous culture, but the Lord's got them covered. Hey, guys, so are we. Remember that. They'd kill us if they had the opportunity. But are you trusting in the Lord? Just a little parallel in there. But where it says there, Bethlehem 
Ephrathah. I believe Ephrathah means fruitful. God had prophetically said, fruitful house of bread. This house of bread, there's going to be a lot of fruitfulness come from here. The Messiah came from Bethlehem, and we're all saved by him. How fruitful is that? Okay, Bethlehem Ephrathah. This was the city that would produce the eternally existent Messiah, Bethlehem. And so now look, Joseph and Mary's situation here, verse 4, it says they were in Nazareth. That's not the right city for them to be where the Messiah was prophesied to come from. That's the wrong place. So they had to be moved by something. So Mary was expecting, and so something sudden and something big had to come into play in order to prompt both Mary and Joseph to get out on this long journey at a bad time among a culture that was going to try to take them out so that they could get to the city where the prophecy would become real and be fulfilled. And so, bam, insert a census. Here's the census. That's the motivator that's going to push them to go on and go on through prophecy. That would not only get Joseph and Mary moving, but that got everybody else moving too. Because everybody in the culture is running around, well, we got to go back to our city of origin. Everybody's picking up their stuff. Come on, let's go. This family's going this way. That family's going that way. And so it would have everybody busy on their travels. That Who would have time to notice their marital status? You see how the Lord covered? Okay, everybody's busy. Let's do the census, you know. We ain't got time to mess with Joseph and Mary or, or much less put the thought into discovering anything about them. You got, see, the Lord had everything turning, turning and moving. Everything, all the pieces are going around, right? So I want us to understand the census was used originally by the government for taxation. It was used for slavery. But what was meant for man for slavery, God turned and used for freedom for the rest of us. Because that census was used to get the Messiah to come from Bethlehem. Isn't that amazing? Even in times of oppression, I guess what I'm trying to draw out of this is even in times of, profe- of oppression, God has a plan. Even in times of heaviness out there, and you look at it and you see it, but that heaviness has got people moving to places they would have never moved to if, they, if, it would, if the oppression wasn't there. God has a plan. You just need to be willing to walk in it, right? Prophecy was going to have Joseph and Mary move. They knew that they had God's protection, and so they obeyed while maintaining their composure in that faith. You know, I can just imagine, God, you want me to do what? You want me to walk out of here with Mary right now with all this stuff going on? Well, all right, let's go. Has God ever told you to go out on something? You're like, God, it's a mess out there. You want me to do what? Okay, God, I'll go. I'm just trying to get us in the story with them. May we learn to do the same thing when we feel pressure pushing on us today. Stay faithful, friends, is what I'm saying. God knows what he's doing. He uses everything that he's got. Everything out there is his. He uses for his purpose and his glory. All we got to do is respond and obey. Luke 2 and 6. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So imagine, here was this great king, this great king that was foretold to come. We heard through the Davidic covenant. We heard through all these other prophets, this great king that would come. 
He was going to sit on the throne of David. And Israel had longed for this king to arrive. He will be called great. He will be called the son of the highest to reign over an eternal kingdom. And this great king is laid in a feeding trough. Now, I don't know if many of you have been around animals and worked on ranches before and seen feeding troughs. They're not pleasant, <laughs> okay? Um, I worked on a ranch as a kid, and I've cleaned out some filthy animal troughs. I've even filled some animal troughs before. We, we have like a, a manger of a type, and the cows know you're getting their favorite stuff out, and you're going to throw it in there. Here they come. Their slobbery mouth and their snotty nose, you know, and they're going to stick it all in there and eat, eat out of it. Would you put your kid in that? That's what they put Jesus in. They put him in a manger. I ain't never had placed myself in anything as low as this. I mean, this is pretty low. And I'm trying to give you the visuals of what I experienced as a kid growing up. Sometimes it wasn't nice. Sometimes after the animals were done, you had to go and scrape that manger out. Now, we don't know the status of the manger when they got there, but I'm sure it had already been used. Wasn't clean, cleanest thing. But this is the eternal king. This isn't just anybody. This is the eternal king. There was no inn for them to stay in. Not to mention there was no grand palace fitting for this great king. No golden crib. No royal attendants to see to his every need. No royal guards protecting him like we would expect of such a king of high stature. No, it was just the three of them. Joseph, Mary, and Jesus out in a barn with animals. Probably a dirt floor. Probably breathing in the smell of dung while they were out there. There was no grand welcome to receive him. In a manger. He was laid in a manger. That's something animals eat out of. And it makes you ask the question, why? Because that's what I ask when I'm reading things like this. Why? And I found in 1 Peter 5, 6, why? This, is, this was Jesus' entry. It says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. This king laying in this manger in due time was going to be lifted up but he had to start low because that's our God I think this is the part of the story where most people are missing it I think they're not seeing this if anything I would like to get a bunch of people and let's go work at a ranch for a while and you just kind of get a little idea of this for a minute <laughs> because the pictures we look at they look so beautiful they look so clean it looks so oh so nice I don't remember it being like that when I was out in the barn. <laughs> There's a lot to do with out behind the barn, which is not very nice. If grandpa took you out behind the barn, you're in trouble. Because there's nothing nice about it. People miss this part. They love to think about Jesus being cute in that manger, but they don't understand what the manger means. Jesus is worthy of better than a manger. Much better. So why was he placed in it? Because Jesus was humble under the mighty hand of God so that God would lift him up in due time. In due time. Now that's where our patience comes into play because we often look and go, oh God, why am I going through this? In due time. In due time. Not yet. I'm telling you, two weeks, COVID. Lord God. 
How long is this going to last in due time? I still had a lot of things to learn. <laughs> COVID does this thing to my head. I don't understand it. it. It puts my, when I have such a high fever, my head goes into this hallucination mode thing where I can't sleep and I'm, I'm imagining things that ain't happening. And it just messed me up. And I was getting mad. And I was getting frustrated. And I come to realize I was getting angry about things that were going on in my life. And I was getting infuriated. And I'm like, oh, the Lord was showing me some things I had in there that needed to get burned out. I had to be put down into a humble position. But in due time, not yet, in due time. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Jesus is worthy of better than a manger, and he was placed in it so that God would lift him in due time. Now, I love it how Jesus' very first day on earth, his very, very first day here, was such a very vivid introduction that this was to show his character to the world. Start low. As low as you can go, buddy. I can't think of any place worse than being shoved out in the barn that's not a place for people. That's a place for animals. And put him where the animals eat. That is the introduction of our Messiah Jesus to this world. Amen. He come down to be like us. Jesus was a humble servant who would in due time be lifted up by God. Luke 2 and 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel, behold means look, pay attention. So the Bible's saying, hey, everybody, pay attention. Listen to this part. This is big. It says, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, look, pay attention. Look, what? don't miss this. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day, and where? The city of David. That would have rung with them. Oh, Davidic covenant, here it comes. In the city of David, a Savior who is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Can you imagine how that hit them? Oh, here it is, he's here, it's time. Yeah, you're going to find him in a manger, by the way. What? probably how it would have struck me. Verse 13, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So I'm thinking maybe if they first weren't getting it in a manger, what? And then they saw this big party, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I see now, this is good. <laughs> But guys, the world did not recognize Jesus. And so there was no big celebration here. There was a big celebration up there. There wasn't one down here. They didn't see him. They didn't recognize him. In fact, can you imagine, uh, back to the shepherds, can you imagine their reaction? Hearing from the angel that the Messiah had come. Now these people have been waiting for the Messiah for a long time. And now here it is. All right, let's go see the Messiah. And he's going to be in a manger. What? That's the introduction to, of, to your Messiah. He came to serve. Again, I think they got the idea when they saw that the heavenly multitude was celebrating and thought, well, if they're celebrating like that up there, well, let's be happy about it down here. That's kind of one point I want to make to you today. 
if we got things to be happy about up there, let's just go be ahead and be happy about it down here now, <laughs> okay? Instead of all the mess going on, it's out there, I know it, I get it. But do you know what you got coming? You can be happy today. There's a party going on. But it says the angel appeared to who? Shepherds. It appeared to shepherds. Shepherds were the lowest of the low. They were the bottom rung of all society. Y'all remember when Jesse's sons were summoned to see who would be king. Bring all the boys in. Let's see who's going to be king. David was out there shepherding. He wasn't even invited. That tells you a lot about what the culture thought about shepherds. Okay? You're nothing. But who did the angel appear before? He appeared before shepherds. See, the shepherds were already low. And then here in, in a manger, they were probably thinking, this Messiah came to be like me. This Messiah came to be with me. I bet the shepherds registered to that real quick of who this Messiah is and who he was going to be. Again, the world was being introduced to the humble character of the Lord who had come to save us all from our sins. And to know that Jesus spent not just the first day, but he spent every day of his life under this kind of oppression, under this kind of hostility, under this kind of humility from day one all the way until his crucifixion. From Philippians 2.8, it says, And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's your Messiah. That's the Lord God right there. Now, this is the time of the year when people say it's time to celebrate Jesus and just for a few days, and then it's back to work as usual. The world has never really celebrated Jesus the way he's worthy to be celebrated, the way he should be. Now, you saw how the heavenly hosts of angels celebrated Jesus like it was the biggest party of all time. And it got the shepherds motivated. Hey, we got to go check this Jesus guy out. We got to go see the Messiah. Shouldn't our celebration of Jesus be so great that it motivates others to want to check out who Jesus is too? That's what I see in the picture. The angel, listen to me, the Messiah, here's where he's going to be. Go. And they're like, man, I got to see this. Does your your carrying of, of how you carry Jesus in your life. Does that show people, does the excitement show, it's like, I got Jesus, I got Jesus. And does it make anybody say, well, I want to find out where he's at, who he is too? It should. Shouldn't be one or two days in December. And okay, back to, back to business. It should be all the time. All the time. Our celebration of Jesus should be so great that it motivates others to want to find out who is this Jesus guy. So I want to ask you again, is Jesus worthy of better than being placed in a manger? Of course he is. I'll say that Jesus is worthy of being placed in your heart. That's the place of a king. That's the place of love. That's the place of worship. That's the place of obedience. That's where Jesus ought to be in our heart, in the center of our life. Nobody invited David because of his lowliness as a shepherd. No one invited Jesus to come as king either. But you can. You can invite him. You can invite Jesus to be your Lord.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.